Well, good morning. Welcome to our morning worship. Good morning. Please take your seat as we begin to worship. Listen to what God has to say to us. May we read this verse, which is our verse for 2014. Let's read it together. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. I hope that we will make his praise glorious today. It's good to be together, part of God's people here in Long Friend. And if you're a visitor, you're most welcome. Uh, just uh, to, we'll have our verse also for the coming week. Just come up and we will read this also uh, in a moment. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. I want to read a prayer from the Psalms, and then we'll pray together. Let's do that. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face shine upon us, your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God, may all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will revere him. Lord, indeed you have blessed us above and beyond that which we deserve. And it is your nature and the abundance of your grace and love that we should be a people so blessed. And out of that blessing we want it to flow from our hearts into our homes, into our communities, into the schools, work, and out into the whole country, rejoicing in the Creator who has become our personal Saviour. So we thank you for this brief time of quiet reflection, looking back and projecting our thoughts and prayers forward into this week. And whatever we face, may we know that you are going before us. And your heart and will is always good. Guide us throughout this service, Lord Jesus. And may it be true that the words of our mouths the meditation of all our hearts would be pleasing in your sight. And we pray for the glory of your name. Amen. And ask Lisa, please, to come up. Thank you. Come and stand here. Uh, just introduce Lisa, then she's going to speak to the children. Oh, you've got your own mic, haven't you? Yeah, it's good. Right. right, well done. So you're Lisa Turner. Yeah. Can I ask you, I know, uh, how old are you? I'm 23. Right. So you've been to university? I have, yeah. What did you do? I studied sports science with management. Right. In that order? 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Because I know that sports is a big thing for you, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Let me put a few questions to you. Um, first of all, who is your sporting hero? Sporting hero? This is hard to think of, but... I didn't give you any... None of this is not rehearsed, <laughs> Um, Roger Federer has got to be up there, I think, just because he... <laughs> that might be some people, just because he's a purely class player and got a pretty good... Because he's handsome and... Yeah, I think <laughs> Okay. Right. Uh, so, sports. Cricket or football? Ooh, football. Okay. Right. Uh, cycling or running? Running. Uh, hockey or tennis? Ooh. I knew this would be difficult for you. We'll come to that in a moment. Hockey. 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 Yeah. Close. Um, squash or badminton? Badminton. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have that is. No. You play badminton quite seriously? Yes, I do. At yeah. what level? Yeah. Um, I play for my county, which is Wiltshire, Oxford, unfortunately. Right. Um, and also I play tournaments. Right. Um, so you're good? Um, I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, and, uh, right. Food. Okay. Just see what you're... Taste buds are curry or pizza? Pizza. Sweet or sour? Sweet. Chocolate or fruit salad? Fruit salad. Fruit salad. Okay. Um, I ch- church. Uh, didn't. Which? Uh, where do you come from? Um, home is North Wiltshire, right. in And the church? Um, all Saints, Lady of Millicent. So right. So it's an Anglican, is it? It is. Okay. Yeah. So uh, is it? Uh, oh, you, you have, what your preference would be? Uh, traditional or modern? Um, I quite like traditional. Good for you. Yeah, so you like the organ being played as well. I do, yeah. yeah, that's good. I, you're good. So, um, so if you, yeah. But I suppose you'd want both hand rather than either or, I guess. Yes. Okay. Mix it. Um, so, Twitter or Facebook? <laughs> Facebook. Facebook. Okay. Do they know your Facebook? No. Do they, uh, do any any here pick up hands up? No. How do you, I don't know. How do you do that? How do you want to I, I, I don't worry about it. If they need to con- at the door, right, you come to the door and so that you can get into yeah, your face. Okay. <laughs> I think this uh, email or letter. Um, I do. I like a good letter. Good like for you, good right? Letter. Well, there you are. Well, that's enough question. You're going to speak to the children, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and by the way, you are with Christians in Sports. I've got to say that. Yep. And you're doing what? Just remind us what you're doing. So I'm doing um, the internship with Christians in Sports, which is a year um, postgraduate um, internship. Right. And so I started in September. Um, right. And, and what do you hope to do in the future? Um, not 100% sure. Okay. I'm, enjoying, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing at the moment, working with and sports, so we'll see, right. see where that goes. Great. Thank you, Lisa. So, hand over to you. Thank Good. you very much. Great. So today we're going to have um, an interesting about the theme of celebration. And I do have some little props and centres to help with the, with the celebration theme. Um, I don't know about you, but in sport, you can tell I'm pretty sporty. In sport, we see some brilliant celebrations. You know, those moments which are jaw-dropping, your hair stands on end, thinking back to the Olympics maybe in 2012. Um, some amazing sporting moments which are followed by some sometimes pretty outrageous celebrations. Some celebrations which you might associate with a particular athlete or a particular sports person. So just to get us started, to get us going in the mood of celebrations, we're going to have some sporting celebrations which you need to try and guess. So there's going to be four celebrations. I've got my budding volunteers, Tilly and Josh, to help us out with this. Um, so we're going to have 10 seconds of a sporting celebration. If you think you know, put it in hand and we'll see if you can get it right. There might even be some prizes on offer as well. So here we go with celebration 
number one when the music starts. Any, any young people think they know? So, yeah. Mo Farah, brilliant. I will try and chuck one up there, but it might could go anywhere. Oh, sorry, there. Come and come and get one afterwards. Come and get one afterwards. Um, great. So Mo Farah, the Mobot, which he has established. Um, there he is on the screen as well. Um, number two. Here we go with number two. A little bit harder that one. Yep. Luis Suarez. Brilliant. Yep, there we go. Luis Suarez kisses his wrist, scores a goal, Liverpool's and the Premier League's top scorer this season. Something quite good to celebrate. Great, number three. Here we go with number three. <laughs> Do you want to know all the high fives? Anyone think they know number three? A little bit harder. Yes, at the back. Andy Murray. Got it too. Well done. Pointing to the sky, throws his wristband in the crown. Winner of Wimbledon last year. Pretty good thing to celebrate. And finally, we have number four. Here we go, down the front. Usain Bolt, very good, well done. There we go. Take your bit. <laughs> good. So there we go, four athletes, four sports people with something very good to celebrate. And don't they show it? <laughs> and don't we know about it? So I wonder about you. What do you have to celebrate? 30 seconds, talk to the person next to you. What is the biggest thing that you've ever celebrated? And then we'll have some ideas. So talk to the person next to you. What is the biggest thing you've ever celebrated? Okay, great. Hold your conversation, sir. Great to see those smiles light up when you think of things that you celebrate. Has anyone got anything they want to share? Something big that they've celebrated? John. Any hands? John. Yeah. So... Getting married to my wife. Lovely. There we go. Round of applause, round of applause. Anyone else? Something? Justin? Going to the farm. Going to the farm. Great. So something great that we've done maybe with our family. Anyone else? Anything else? Something good to celebrate? Anyone at the back? Yes, at the back. Coming second. Very good achievement. Well done. Round of applause. Great. So there we go. We have lots of things. There's lots of chat going on. Lots of things um, to celebrate. Here's some things come up on the screen that we might have talked about. Maybe our, our family. Good family around us. Birthdays, like having parties. Friends that we have around us. Maybe you've overcome a fear that you want to celebrate. Get given presents. Um, maybe sporting success in your own sport. Exam results, maybe. Maybe you've got better from an illness and you celebrate that. Or maybe it's your talents, maybe things that, that you can do, your abilities. 
we have a lot of things to celebrate. And the Bible says that, that it's God. God is the giver of all our good things. Back to Genesis 1 at the start of the Bible. God made us. God created us. And he said that it is very good. He's given us good things. But the Bible says that we also have something even better to celebrate. Even better than those good things we just talked about. And for this I need some help. A couple of weeks ago we read John 3.16. Remember a couple of weeks ago then if NNRS members. And we're going to try and see if we can remember that verse. Um, so we can have the, the next slide up. Great. So we're going to try and fill in the gaps. So if you need to get your Bible out, get your Bible out and have a look. But if you think you know the next word in the verse, stick up your hands and we're going to see if we can complete the verse. So then we'll start us off with the second word. So for... Yeah, great. So for God so... Yeah, great. Love. Yeah, there. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's, um, read, let's read that together. For God so loved the world that he gave his own but have eternal life. Brilliant. So I think there's three things, just briefly, to, to mention that we can celebrate from this verse. So firstly, that God so loved. God so loved the world. The mighty, powerful, awesome creator of the universe loves us intimately. He loves us individually. So God so loved, secondly, that he gave, he's a generous God, that he gave us the gift of his son, Jesus. Not only did he give his son, Jesus, but he gave him to die, to die on a cross, to rise again, to beat death, so that we can have a way, a relationship with our Father in heaven. So even when, I don't know about you, sometimes I don't feel worthy to be loved, and I do things wrong, and I don't feel like I should be loved. But the fact that God gave his son shows how much he loves me. And that love is unconditional. So God so loved that he gave his only son. And finally, that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. The gift of life. What an amazing thing to celebrate. Maybe hard to comprehend when we have things that we touch, things we get given that we want to celebrate. We can't touch eternal life, but we know and here we know that we can have eternal life if we believe in Jesus. So what great things to celebrate today. Sometimes we can go through life and we don't necessarily feel like celebrating. We go through tough times. The Bible doesn't say that it's going to be easy as a Christian that we're going to be jumping for joy all the time. But even through those hard times and through the good times, we can know that we do have Jesus to celebrate. The gift of his son to celebrate. So as we finish, here's a challenge for each and every one of us. I wonder if you are celebrating Jesus today. Maybe you celebrated Jesus when you, when you first put your trust in him, when you first believed in Jesus. Maybe you haven't quite um, celebrated Jesus. Maybe you haven't quite found him to celebrate. But will you today, no matter how you're feeling, will you celebrate that Jesus has been given to us to have eternal life? Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, thank you for all the good things that you give us. For friends, for family, for success in different areas of our life. Thank you that you are the giver of all those good things. And Father, thank you most of all that you gave us your son Jesus. So that we can have a relationship with you and have eternal life. And Father, I pray for each and every one of us here that we'd remember that today and over the next week and the next month that we can celebrate you for all that you are. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you gave an answer right, come and see me at the end and you have a celebration. We're looking at Acts chapter 11 as Peter is called to give an account of his actions which were not received favourably by the church leaders. And we're taking up uh, our reading in Acts 11. Acts 11 verse 1. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, which was the central hub of the church, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, quote, You went into the house of uncircumcised people and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and, came, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has entered my mouth. The voice spoke to me from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. And then it was pulled up to heaven again. Then the three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning, a repetition of Pentecost. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptizes with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think I could oppose God? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, and it sounds terribly patronizing. So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance into life. Massive moment of transition in the life of the church. Verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch telling the message only to Jews. 
Some of them, however, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad, and encouraged them all to remain true, true to the Lord with all their, their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch, so that for a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch. It's a massive chapter that is uh, a transition chapter and has implications even for us here today when we think of the makeup of the church. The sermon comes under one heading and that is vision. I'm always afraid when people say vision, what's your vision for? It's a good question to ask and maybe if I was to ask you what is your vision for this church or what is your vision for your marriage what is your vision for your children your vision for your work do you have one and can you sustain it the vision often is to do with um, with attitude or perspective without any desire for vanity do you notice anything different about me today Thank you. Glasses. I got a new pair of glasses. I didn't realize that my vision was impaired. I learned to live, and some of you look terribly vague. Now I'm going to fall over here. I learned to live with a degree of um, lack of clarity of sight. It's amazing how you can do that. And we can do that for sure in our Christian lives. We have a sort of a, an understanding of Jesus, but not, he's not in his crystal clear presence. He's some vague person whom we know at a distance, or see vaguely. So for me it was quite a, a, a not a shock, but a, a surprise to realize I needed new spectacles. And I have them, and I can see you much better. And I can see if you go to sleep as well. I know you never do. Just pretend to look interesting, or interested. Let's think about attitude, first of all, which is an integral part of vision. Here's an illustration. A tourist is visiting France. France is a great country for historic buildings. And there's a massive project taking place. He sees stonemasons working away, and he approached each of them and asked the same question, all three. What are you doing? That's the question he asked. The first replied, isn't it obvious? I'm cutting stone. The second, I'm cutting stone for 10 francs an hour. And the third, I am helping to build a great cathedral. They're all doing the same. 
all of them. But what a massive difference. Well, it's obvious, isn't it? And it's obvious, if I may say, that the absence of that perspective, that vision, what are you doing? Now, we built uh, an extension to this church and some people still, strangely, are still ill at ease about that. That's okay. If you have a vision for something else, God will honour that. I hope you do. Or are we simply keeping our options open? Because vision is always costly. And here Peter is brought to book by his unacceptable behaviour of opening the door to the Gentile dogs, Orthodox Jews, even to this day, say, thank God I'm a man, thank God I'm not a woman, thank God I'm not a Gentile. They're not the flavour of the month. And Peter then did this. And so he's called to account and he explains how God supernaturally had intervened. So vision is to do, of course, with attitude. What are you doing? But it's also to do with courage. Stepping up to the plate. When I was in college, one of my heroes, and it was interesting, Alexander Solzhenitsyn. We were thinking a great deal of what's going on in Russia at the moment. And uh, he was banished uh, in the gulags and subsequently ended up in America. And when, after the demise of communism, he was invited back to Russia, to his mother country. And he returned. And the authorities had a, a limousine and an entourage of all the politicians. And he caught the bus and went home. But he still wanted to identify with the fact that he was not in agreement with such corruption. It takes courage to do that. And this is what he said when he was ejected from his country that he loved so much in 1978. A decline in courage may be the first striking feature that an outside observer notices in the West today. Must one point out that from ancient times a decline in courage has been considered the first symptom of the end. If the world has not approached its end, it has reached a major watershed in history, equal in importance to the, to the term from the Middle Ages to the Renaissance. It will demand from us spiritual effort. We shall have to rise to a new height of vision. Courage, attitude, is an integral part of vision, so it isn't something vague, costly. Courage is that muscle of character which flexes to give individuals, families, nations, their strength to live above the average, above mediocrity. That's what courage does. And you see Peter here giving an account of the vision that God had given him. He says that in this reading that we have had a vision of this sheep being brought down. You have it in verse 5 of our reading. I want to give a few headings and uh, then we'll conclude. So what is vision? Well, it's all of those things. It's the faculty of 
seeing, of your perspective, of insight, of foresight. It's, it isn't being clever, God got a vision. It's simply being clear. I have a vision, I know what I believe, I know where I'm going with my family, with my work, with my church and community. And that is surely the call of God for us uh, today. A few headings will be helpful in this passage and we'll look at them very quickly. First of all, a vision from God. This isn't sort of man-made, a clever people. And people can be very persuasive, we know that. The context in verse 5 is Peter is giving an account of this heavenly vision. And he is replying, by the way, it's very interesting, isn't it, to strong criticism. You see, in verse 2, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. What are you doing? You can't be serious. You're not going to do that. Are you serious? You're going to build a church? Yes. God willing. And so the vision from 8 to 10, he gives the account. And the fascinating thing about this account is, and of course all visions rightly should be tested. All words from the Lord need to be proven, for sure. And he said, you have a problem with vision, tell me about it. I have one too. He spoke to me, and I said three times, no, no, no. You, can, you read that in verses 8 to 10. So, this isn't a done deal, is it? So when they criticized him, they said, I know. I know how you feel. But if this is God's doing, if God is calling us, and so he says, God gave the vision, God dealt with me. You know, I had such prejudice in my heart. And we can have those. Prejudice about how people do church differently. Prejudice about people's gender or nationality or colour and all those things. Or people who think differently to us. We all have those prejudices. And God has to deal with them. Some of us we need to say, your background shouldn't be your foreground. Think it through. Be willing to change. Allow God to deal with you. God dealt with Peter. God gave the vision. God gave the Holy Spirit to him. Yet again, you'd have thought, surely being baptized with the Spirit on Pentecost, isn't that enough? That'll keep me going for the rest of my life. And you hear some people, that's all they've got. No, you need it again, and again, and again, and again. You, you, you see that, verses 15 to 16. And then God changed the church, changed its perspective. Note the illustration often used, you can use it for individuals, you can use it for a church or a, an organization, turning our mirrors into windows. It's a good illustration. We're always looking in at ourselves, almost like a narcissistic mirror, mirror on the wall. You know, aren't we doing well? And the Lord says, are you willing to look out? Willing to look out and see a needy world? Well, that's, that's what you have here. And you also see that the church is meant to grow. Verses 19 to 24, you see that if people, what is the test of people being filled with the Spirit? Surely is that it's the overflow of the gospel. That, is, that surely is the test. 
But here's the interesting thing. If you look in verse 19 carefully, we could miss this. Yes, you see, God deals with Peter where he's an apostle. You'd expect that. Hold on a moment. Look at verse 19. Those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen, the first Christian martyr, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. But some of them, however, spoke to the Greeks, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. These are not the apostles. These are not theologically trained. These are not deacons and elders or church members. These are not people who are so well grounded, but people who had a love for Jesus who wanted to share what he has done in their lives. Ord- it's a terrible term to use, ordinary believers. We're all ordinary believers. Of course we are. Telling people about an extraordinary saviour. But equally, we have to say it is true as well that whilst God uses ordinary believers, he also uses key people. And, and we need to be careful the pendulum doesn't swing too far. Look at verse 22. The news of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. He, if we were to have a discussion, it would be interesting now if we said, you know, we do this thing sometimes. Turn to the person next to you and think, what was his great gift? Why did they ask for him? Why didn't they ask for um, Matthew? Or some of the other leaders? Or one of the seven deacons? Why didn't they ask for them? Why Barnabas? Interesting if we were to... Uh, well, we won't, because we haven't got time. Well, the answer, of course, is this, that he had this primary gift that even then was lacking in the church as much as it is today because of the way of people because of human nature the thing that we need most of all is people to come alongside us and to encourage us now people don't particularly value that gift much but without it some of our relationships wouldn't survive without it the church won't grow without it your marriage won't flourish Without it, your friendship will wither on the vine. It's a great gift. Thinking about gifts, it's a vision for gifting then as he comes and Barnabas exercises this gift in two ways. Go back to vision for a moment. He could see what needed to be done. He was, if you like, a strategist, a posh word saying... This is what we're going to do. But he also was a servant. He was true to himself and his spiritual roots. It was the, what does a servant do? It's the ability to take other people with you. The church isn't a subculture of nice people who are the same as me, who believe the same as me, think the same as me. Church is surely a group of people who are so different where sometimes it's hard to get along and some people can be very abrasive and awkward and angular yes we can but that church begins to grow because those gifts knock off the the rough edges and we begin to mature and grow 
Antioch was a, a sort of a, a cosmopolitan church. Not only a diverse gift, but cultures. And can you imagine the clash that that would give? So it's a vision from God. It's a vision that the church would grow. It's a vision that all members have gifts which are vital and integral to the church's growth. And here's a little sting in the tail. Uh, there was a famous sermon by uh, John Wesley who could have been a very wealthy man but all his life he lived on the same salary that he had as he set out as he was ejected from the Church of England and Methodism was born. He preached a famous sermon that had three points most of them do, don't they? This one's got a few more today, today and he says your money. Save as much as you can. Earn as much as you are capable. And then give as much as you are able. And one of the members of the circuit said, the third point spoiled the sermon. <laughs> Yesterday, so I'm thinking about the, the, the vision, the gift of giving. Do you, would, would you really see giving as a gift? Receiving, perhaps. Uh, we went for a walk yesterday between the showers. Uh, Waterpair is a great little place, a nice cup of tea, very English, it's lovely. And uh, we went for a walk to Watstock. There's a little church, um, I think it's called St. John's, I think. Um, it, it's sort of locked in time. It sounds misty and sort of damp and quite nice to visit. I probably like to worship on Sunday. Um, and we were looking at the window, reading the inscription. Quite beautiful. And then I said, Hannah, I want to go and see the what church at Waterbury. We didn't have time, but I remember picking up um, this little inscription. Well, it's actually, it's the gift aid, and I didn't put anything in. I wrote on the back of the envelope um, this inscription that's over the little box as you go in. So if you go to Waterbury, go to uh, St. Mary the Virgin, and you'll read an inscription, and this is what it says. Beautiful quaint language. If aught thou hast to give or lend, this ancient parish church be friend. If poor, but in spirit willing, out of thy purse and give a shilling. But, if its debt should be profound, if you have much more than a shilling, okay, just translate that. But if its depth should be profound, think of thy God and give a pound. Look not for record to be given, but trust for thy receipt in heaven. That's a nice quaint little way, isn't it? I was thinking we could put something here and uh, pay off the debt. But it's a vision for giving. A vision for giving. And, and that's what you have here. We could miss the point if it wasn't, if we weren't careful to see that in verse 25 Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him they brought him to Antioch. The whole, uh, and for a whole year Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. 
the end of verses 27 to 30, which we have time to do, there was uh, a prophet by the name of Agabus. But look at verse 29. The disciples, each according to his ability, financially, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. Now, if you weren't careful, you'd miss this. Here are Gentile people helping out Jewish people. Now, Jews always got money. They're good at money. They make money. But you see, the grace of God does a reversal here. It may be that the central church was struggling, and churches go through times and seasons. We know that. The grace of God, and this is the test, surely, grace makes you grateful. And part of that being grateful is to share with others, and particularly our fellow brothers and sisters. What are you doing? Cutting stone? Cutting stone, ten francs an hour? Or building a kingdom that will last forever? And part of that is this whole area of giving. Giving of ourselves. And of course it's much, much more than money, for sure. Growing in grace. Ministering in grace. Giving in grace. And receiving in grace, too. It's not being clever. It is just being clear. I know where I'm going. And I know whom I'm following. And he's good and faithful. <coughs> Is that you? And if so, can you give more? Pray more? Get involved more? Pray more? Worship more? I hope so. This is our day of opportunity. We have no other. This is our day. We need to use it or lose it. Let's pray together. So now let's do the reverse for a moment. Turn our windows into mirrors. Look at ourselves now. Not anybody else, but ourselves, me and the Lord Jesus. Think of our immediate circumstances, our homes and families. Think our places of work and witness. Places where we socialize, we have sport and leisure. Think of our church and community. 
Lord, we thank you that you've brought us together for such a time as this. And we thank you for the diversity of church. We would ask you to please forgive us for wanting to make people like us when we want people to be more like Jesus. And would you deal with our prejudices? Would you change attitudes? Would you clear perspectives? So would you help us as we come to you in the privacy of our own hearts now. So we thank you. Please come to us. Pour your spirit upon us. And strengthen our resolve to deal with things in our lives. Would you help us, Lord Jesus, as we pray as we come to you this day and we do so in the assurance that you are here and answer our prayers as we come in your name. Amen. May we share in the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.